and what happens with that is that as you start to grow people with Alpha and get people excited about Jesus, the pool of people that you have to do other things and work on other areas in your community starts to grow. And we've got this neat little graph where you start with just the parish priest and his little team, the little team, and then you grow more people and more people and more people as you start to do more and as more people become excited with Jesus and you're actually about Jesus and then you're starting to grow the people that you have to do all the other things that you need. But if you start just trying to do all the other things that you want done, you're doing it with the same group of people because you haven't grown those new disciples yet. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Hello and welcome back to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast. We're excited to have you if you're here for the first time. Special welcome to you. I think today's episode is going to be really fascinating, particularly for those of you that work within the diocesan context. With us today are two leaders from the animation team in Melbourne, Australia, Lorraine McCarthy and Louis Virtue. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Lorraine, I know that, what's your title, Lorraine? Animation team leader. Awesome. (laughs) And so, Lou, (laughs) you work with Lorraine on her team. And let me ask you, because I I know when I look around the world, dioceses are, are making changes, recognizing that the culture has shifted to such a degree that being relevant in today's culture is harder than ever before. And that requires change. And what I find exciting is that people are making the change. What's terrifying is none of us actually know how to do it, or or in other words, know what's going to work for sure, which unfortunately requires faith. And it's hard. And so I'm looking forward to this conversation today. But what drove you guys, Lorraine, to make this journey of, of shifting the way things are done to have an impact? In 2018, we got a new bishop in, Arch- in the Archdiocese of Melbourne, Archbishop Peter Comensoli, and he came in with this wonderful vision of making our diocese more missionary and reaching more people both within the church and, and in the wider city with this message of Jesus and growing people in their relationship with him. So that's made a lot of changes in the Archdiocese. and. Louis, you were working for the Archdiocese over that time, weren't you? Yes, yes, I was originally in the youth office and uh, during that time, um, yeah, there was a lot of changes and uh, we we were working really in in silos and had our own visions and uh, it was really great when Archbishop Peter came along and had the strong vision, the strong missional vision for uh, the Archdiocese and um, I guess that um, started the change within, yeah, the structure of the Archdiocese. That's true, because if you really mean that, like if as a leader, if you really mean what you say, oftentimes it's going to require change. And and what I love about what that looks like within the diocesan context is, you know, it's one thing for a bishop to say, yeah, I I would really love to see the priest well supported and very fruitful. But then they have the same structure. It's like, well, that's a lovely wish. But what are you doing to make that wish come to to life? And, And that's where you guys have an animation team. Lorraine, describe for, for our guests or listeners, what is an animation team? How is it set up and what's its purpose? Well, we definitely don't draw cartoons. So um, <laughs> we, we have uh, four what we call animation consultants and we have a, a large diocese of 209 parishes. It's divided into four regions and each animation consultant works particularly within a region, north, south, east and west. They have about 50 parishes each that they work for uh, and with. And we uh, and I lead the team and we have an admin support as well. So it's a very deliberate structure to come alongside clergy, gain trust and then slowly as they, uh, as they become open, begin to work with them along a pathway of missionary renewal. Mm. 
Beautiful. That's that's fantastic. And, and, and again, having worked with a number of dioceses, I know that's not always easy for the diocesan staff. Like I, I know here in Halifax, sometimes the di- the diocese was looked at as the people downtown you'd rather avoid. And, and so building trust for them at the local parish was hard because we'd just be frustrated half the time of having to do reports or at the last minute being asked to go to meetings or, or what have you. And so there's often a contentious relationship here locally between the presbyterate and the diocese. And so I, I would imagine coming alongside and building trust, that would be a challenge. Especially in the middle of a pandemic, because our team started in February 2020. And, you know, Melbourne is the most locked down city in the world. So virtually for our first two years, we did the majority of our stuff online. And that was very hard, wasn't it, Louis? Yeah, it was. It was. Sometimes we just have to cold call uh, the priest and say, Hi, I'm Lily Virgie, and um, you know I'm the animation consultant for the Western Region, and just try to uh, get a conversation happening. And you know that was the first time they've you know really uh, met me, and that was online or over the phone. So it was it was a challenge. Yeah. Right. That that's a really that's a really interesting perspective. Congratulations, by the way, for being first in the world for lockdown. That's it's good to be good first at something. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's impressive. Uh, but I remember falling. We're probably number two here in Nova Scotia. We, we, were, we were locked down like crazy, too. All of my American clients were like, are you guys crazy? I'm thinking, well, yeah, probably. I don't know. We're trying to figure this out. <laughs> yeah, I don't envy any of the politicians or, or healthcare providers during that period of time. But but that's a that's a really good point, like trying to not only did you start something new? You did it at a time where you couldn't be face to face and, and, and that would be a challenge. And, and what was it like recruiting people? Like, how did you decide to put your team together, Lorraine? And, and, and maybe how were you looking at these 200 churches in terms of setting goals and what you thought was realistic and possible? We recruited our team, some from previous archdiocesan staff and then some people who we found along the way. But we felt all, and we're currently recruiting actually again, so if anyone's interested, we uh, we think it's really important on our team to have people with broad parish experience because we're going in and coming alongside clergy And it's really important that the people that we're um, coming alongside had confidence in us in that we have worked in parish, that we know the huge struggles of being a parish in this 21st century and what it feels like to try and gather people and work with people. So it's very hard to find people like that in Melbourne, but um, we we think that that's a really important uh, issue uh, and and then I forgot the second half of your question, Ron. Well, yeah, no, that's okay, because I started to ask myself, why did you ask two questions in a row? That's going to be hard to remember. <laughs> so good on you for remembering the first one. I only ever remember the last part. And so I guess as you guys get started, you have 209 parishes. How do you? How did you set out to figure out what you were going to do, how you were going to tackle this yeah, maybe I'll start with that. What you were going to do and how you were going to tackle it, because that's a lot of parishes. Yeah, and I think the uh, for a start, we weren't sure whether we'd use the regional model, but we pretty quickly decided that that was really the only one we could think of that would work because there were so many of okay. them. And then I guess we thought that we would try and meet everybody, but then we would perhaps prioritise our time with ones that we thought were a bit more open, you know, that idea of Mm. disproportionately investing where the doors open. And that doesn't mean that we deliberately leave anyone behind, but we Mm. do try to be quite intentional about how we spend our time. Uh, and, And I think that that's been a successful strategy because we can see some parishes moving and then others see that and think, oh, maybe I might want to try that too. So there's a bit of, uh, we couldn't say we've got a real lighthouse parish yet. We're a bit early for that. 
but we do have places that are moving a bit more quickly and other people that see that and think maybe I could try that too. Fun. Fun. And so so you you started in February 2020, is that what you said? Yeah. And so for anybody that thinks you sign up for this and it and everything's turned around in a year, well, that defuncts that. But I guess we could say that's COVID. But it, how are you finding this? At what point do you think all of your parishes will be lighthouse parishes in Melbourne? What do you think, Louis? I think it's a bit like um, Moses going into the promised land. He never really gets there, does he? He needed Joshua to <laughs> yeah, take the Israelites in. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a very long-term uh, type of vision. Um, yeah, I would say yeah, a long time, probably 30 years yeah. from now, 25 years mm. from now. Yeah, we'll see real um, cultural change, I guess. But we are seeing... I guess microcultural changes around the place at the moment. We're seeing hope, we're seeing passion come alive, we're seeing leadership. Um, people who, are, you know, are just sitting in pews um, and not and very disengaged in the parish, saying, you know, I'd like to be a host or helper on Alpha, or I'd like to lead a, a Bible study. You know, and, and these are right. uh, substantial changes already. Um, yeah. But when you if you're talking about big cultural changes, you know. In the macro level, then yeah, I would say long term, thirty years. Yeah, that's a that's a really great perspective because Lorraine, I'm, what I'm hearing is you guys said, hey, listen, we're not going at this carte blanche for everybody. We're just trying to say, hey, here's what we're doing, here's what we're thinking, uh, and test the water, see who's open, and then start to work with people who are, might be more excited, you know, ahead of time than others, which is normal. Uh, and you know, the early adopters and people that are willing to give something a try. Um, but Louis, what I'm hearing you say is, yeah, and in those areas, we're starting to see some big wins in, in, in small capacities in churches, which is exciting. That's starting to be contagious. But the truth is, to get everything to us a particular place, well, one, it often never happens in terms of everybody. But at the same time, when we get that critical mass, it probably takes a, a long time and consistency in terms of the way you go about it. Is that fair? Mm. Yes. Lorraine, when you say when so when you're talking to people or when you originally started to talk to people and, and raise up your staff, what is it that you were doing? What's the it? What are the things that you were putting in place that you guys decided on? And how did you guys get there? We came up with three pathways that we thought um, it would be a good way to to grow people. And I think the first thing that we thought was when you often go to pastors for the first time, priests for the first time, they'll say, but I don't have anyone that can do any of this stuff. So the first thing really we found is to form a bit of a team. And often if you're wanting, if you're a priest and you're wanting to start something new, your parish council aren't the best place to start because often they have a, a mindset around maintenance and about keeping the show on the road and doing things. What you need for this team that's going to be starting something different is people with that are open to new ideas, that are teachable, that are contagious. Um, so to start a, a new team and to start to pilot an evangelisation tool, and we have quite a few parishes that have started with Alpha. And then... and. What happens with that is that as you start to grow people with Alpha and get people excited about Jesus, the pool of people that you have to do other things and work on other areas in your community starts to grow. And we've got this neat little graph where you start with just the parish priest and his little team, the little team, and then you grow more people and more people and more people as you start to do more and as more people become excited with Jesus and you're actually about Jesus and then you're starting to grow the people that you have to do all the other things that you need. But if you start just trying to do all the other things that you want done, you're doing it with the same group of people because you haven't grown those new disciples yes. yet. Um Right. And then the second thing that we ask people to work on is to really look at their leadership. And so once they start to get a bit of traction and they identify people of capacity in their parish and they grow them and 
kind of make more missionary, not that they weren't missionary before, but more excited and engaged missionary disciples, then you can start to choose your leadership team and senior leadership team and re-look at all the leadership structures in your parish because you've got some people then that you um, know and you are growing that uh, might be open to that. And then we have another pathway for maybe priests that don't want to do any of that and we just mm -hmm. work on, you know, pick one thing and that's mainly about a trust-building thing. And so we, you know, we'll... we'll work with them over time um, and grow them in trust and then they might be prepared to start one of the other things. Mm. So that's kind of been the way that we've worked. Priority of evangelisation, let's um, start with some leadership structure but building trust along the way as much as we can. Yeah. And we've been yeah, really excited because, yeah, you talked about early adopters before, sorry to interrupt, but we did some stats the other day and we've realised that we're into the early majority now and we have about 32% or something of our parishes that are doing something in one of those areas with us. And we're a bit surprised about that because that's actually pretty amazing, mm -hmm. isn't it? <laughs> that is staggering. That is really exciting. Way to go. That's, and what was that third category? You said there was a third stream. It's third that stream path. where they're not really interested in that evangelization stuff. You know, my, I'm happy with my leadership, but can you just help us with um, our parish council? Can you just help us with a retreat day? Can you just help us with um, getting something started or give us some, in, you know, with our RCIA? And so we'll try and do everything in a missionary key and every time we get in front of people, we'll talk about making missionary disciples, um, growing people, leadership, and in the end, even if sometimes if the, if the uh, priest is a little bit hesitant, sometimes the people start to see that wider vision and you just keep things bubbling away while you're gaining trust and then you can start work on some of the other things. Yeah. Mm. That sounds like a very respectful approach, like very both strategic and respectful, because at the end of the day, you know, it's the parish priest's decision as to the direction they're going to go and where they want to go and at what pace. And it sounds like you guys are presenting them with some options in terms of support, presenting them to them in a way that, that they can understand, but then the choice is theirs. And and you'll work with them to the degree that, well, I just think that's beautiful. Instead of demanding everybody as a bishop to do one thing, that rarely goes over well, is my experience. And so your approach seems to be much more respectful. I love that. So, Louis, one of the things that I find, I, I, you know, Louis, you're on this animation team. You have one of the four regions. And so you've been there from the start. In the diocese, as the changes were taking place in terms of that structure, now over an animation, what's it been like for you as an animation uh, regional coordinator? I just made that title up in case that's not your title. Uh, good. <laughs> Vice president of uh, <laughs> the Western region. Um, what, what have you seen in yourself? Like what, starting that, I mean, it's tough. It's, it's COVID, new bishop, new job, uh, that must have been tricky. And then these hopes and dreams and goals, cold calling people, like what's that journey been like for you at the beginning? And then I'll talk a little bit about, I want you to talk a little bit about where you're at now, because I know that those aren't the same two places, but I just want to give people who might be on this diocesan team or maybe starting a new job in this area, a realistic understanding of, of, of what that journey might be like. Uh, it was it was tough at the start, very tough, um, because, you know, as you said, and Lorraine was saying, you know, COVID had a massive impact. We were call, uh, calling. Um, we couldn't have that, you know, I do my best work when I'm in front of someone, you know, and mm -hmm. I didn't have that. So it was really hard to get any traction at the start. Um, and then, you know, I'm wearing my archdiocesan hat, and as you said, you know, there's a little bit of mistrust in every diocese with parishes. And um, so 
you know, it, it was really tough being able to sit there and um, build trust with these men that, you know, a lot of mm. them, I can just talk for the team, I guess, we just met for the first time. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it was a really big uh, mountain to climb to start off with. Um, but after our first round of meetings, uh, we got to um, the face-to-face -face meetings, we got to know a lot of the priests. Um, and they would open up, really. They would open up and talk to us. And um, it was really beautiful to be able to sit there and to listen to these amazing men talk about you know, their struggles, but also um, their hopes for the parish. And um, by the second round, uh, we became um, acquaintances. And I think by the third round, a lot of them are my friends now. So it's been amazing. And you know, really talk, looking at parish renewal, I guess parish renewal starts with personal renewal. And for me, um, really focusing on parish renewal has helped me as a father, has helped me as a husband, it's helped my own faith life. And I, I've changed through this process already. And, I've, and by seeing others change as well, and really you know, embrace the power of the Holy Spirit and um, have hope you know, rise within them, oh, it's just done amazing things for my own faith life and um, my personal life as well. Yeah. That's beautiful. So to go from, from holy cow, this is harder than I thought. Uh, I'm not sure people even want to talk to me. This is hard and awkward and complicated to these people are my friends and you're probably developing partnerships with some of these, like you say, wonderful priests. And isn't it fun to, to, to collaborate, to partner with people for impact? Like, isn't that the coolest thing ever? Oh, that's awesome. It's a real privilege to be able to come to work every day and, and do that. So, yeah. yes, it is. It's amazing. That's wonderful. Well, good on you. Lorraine, what are some of the things when you look back and, and starting in this role and, and, and bring the team together, what are some of the things that you found challenging at the beginning? I guess the first thing was uh, bringing the team together and becoming really laser focused on what we're doing here and that we're our main role is this task of bringing people into a relationship with Jesus and so we had to work quite a lot on our team and, and our prayer life together we pray every single day we meet on zoom every morning at nine o'clock and we pray sometimes just for 10 or 15 minutes sometimes for a half hour and we think that prayer powers everything that we do. And so to start that kind of praying in a diocese and team actually presented its own challenges right at the start, didn't it, Louis? We had to learn a new way of being vulnerable and praying together. And then we read books together and discussed them and talked about things. And there was a lot of, you know, toing and froing and trying to kind of work together on the same page. And we had, in a, in a sense, COVID was good in that way because we couldn't go out. So we had lots of time where we could read and reflect and chat, all on Zoom, of course. But mm -hmm. we, we used that first six months of lockdown really, well, nine months really, very effectively to, to grow our team and really be on the same page and... I think that was a challenge, but once we could go out to the, to visit, we were sure about who we were and what we were doing and why we were doing it. And I think that has been really important. It felt hard at the start, but I think that that has been really important for us. Yeah. What was that like for you, Louis, being a part of that? As you, do you, when she said it was hard at the start, were you feeling that too? And, and did you like, oh? Yeah, definitely. Um, but as Lorraine was saying, like having our team, we've just got a, a beautiful team with an amazing culture within it, of the team. And being able to pray and um, be vulnerable with each other, you know, is it, it, it really helped us through the, those hard times. So, mm. um, yeah, leading out of the team is so important. Mm. 
That's fun because you're, it sounds like you're modeling the very thing you're inviting your key priests to do. Like you're not just saying, hey, you should do this. You're like, no, we're actually doing it too. And, and sometimes it's difficult and you got to start somewhere. And what kinds of things did you guys do to build? Like I'm sure our listeners are going, okay, love that. Uh, how? What books did you read and how did you get from here to there? What are some of the steps you took? Gonna go, Lorraine? Go ahead, Lorraine. Okay. We um we read I think the first one we read was Sherry Waddell's Forming Intentional Disciples and and mm. discussed that because I think some of that is the why and that and a little bit. And then we read Father James's Beyond the Parish, which was just out at the start of 2020, and most of us had already read Divine Renovation and just going through those steps of vision and um and culture and all of those things and the pyramid and reading and reflecting about that. And then we, uh, I think that was about as much as we consciously read and then we just did a lot of discussing and planning and thinking and kind of drawing in perhaps different podcasts and articles that we found, uh, always with that idea of, how can we best bring people along? Um, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, I think else that's, we, yeah, we also read um, a lot together, but um, individually like multipliers and, and other resources uh, like that, um, you know, it, in regards to leadership, which was really eye-opening for me. Yeah. yeah. Is that one of your favourite books that you recall when you were reading? Was that Multipliers book? Yeah, Multipliers is fantastic. It's it's really great, and um, yeah, I recommend everyone uh, read Multipliers, especially in um, yeah, parish leadership. Who, who wrote that? Do you remember? I haven't read that yet. I'm gonna have, right to, have to dive into it myself. Um, Liz Wiseman. Liz Wiseman. Yeah, I think it's a sec- it's a secular book, but it's it's really, really great. Yeah, love that. <laughs> Love that. And so when you're looking back now, or sorry, not looking back, but where are you at now? You say, Lorraine, 32% of your parishes in the diocese are working with you guys in one capacity or another uh, on these projects and, and this this pursuit to become missional. And you know, one of the words that I like to use for missional is impactful, right? Like, like to be impactful, really, that's what missional means. Sometimes that's a, a word, a churchy word that I don't know that everybody, what's that mean to go away somewhere and, and well, good, but it really means making, having an impact, doesn't it? Like, because we can just do church. Like, we're good at just doing church, but people are leaving, uh, certainly in Canada, leaving the church in droves. I know it at St. Benedict Parish, where uh, my parish, and, and you know, it's, it's known to be a real front runner in innovation and impact and changing lives and all of that is true and yet we get about 14 1500 people at mass in an area that has 17,000 self-proclaimed catholics not to mention the nuns and so we get about a little less than 10 percent of people actually going to church who consider themselves on a census catholic anyway and so there's a lot of work to do it's tough it's exciting but it's tough. And so in Australia, give people a sense in Melbourne, what, what are you seeing in terms of the amount of people that come to church who would be self-proclaimed Catholics, for example? Sorry, Louis, do you know yeah. that number? Oh, I don't know the number off the top of my head. No. Do you know, Laurie? Um, it, it varies in different areas, but it is yeah. similar to what you're just saying there, Ron. We have parishes... The, the mean would be between 8 and 10%. We have okay. some parishes that are high. We have one parish, actually, where it's 30%, which is pretty amazing, mm. and a couple of parishes where it's only 2 two or 3%. They're inner-city inner parishes, so there's quite a spread, mm. but generally between 8, 8 and 10% and falling, dramatically right. falling. Yeah. Especially yeah. since a lot COVID, of congregations so. are aging, right? They're getting older. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would say even probably after COVID, it's probably closer to five percent now. You know, so yeah, yeah, five, five to eight percent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so it just gives people, our listeners, a perspective in a sense, and so the urgency around the role that your team plays for your archbishop to bring 
his vision to reality is is really important. And and again, what exciting numbers you guys have in terms of where, what other things are you doing? So you guys as animators are coming alongside, you're connecting with these priests, finding out who would like to work together and to what degree, and then you're engaging. What are some of the other things that you guys are doing, Lorraine, to come up alongside of churches and inspire people? Because I know you're doing a lot. <laughs> uh, one of the things that we worked out at the start was that priests often don't know how to do this. And we can come alongside them, but we're not global experts. So one of the things that we've done is have a, a fairly, uh, I suppose, uh, I was going to say aggressive, but I don't mean aggressive, but a, a fair, we encourage them very strongly to consider leadership coaching and, and you're our, our coach, Ron, but we invite them into that six fundamentals of parish turnaround group kind of start and then encourage them into one-on-one -on -one coaching with, with you and the um, priest and their teams. And that's kind of a way for our clergy who say, look, mm. we really don't know how to do this, um, that they can opt into something, very much opt in, that will help them to kind of have more impact a little bit quicker. And that the increase of uptake of that um, has been really um, pleasing. And I think the guys and the teams that are involved in that are finding that really helpful. Another thing that we've tried to do right from the start is have events where we try and um, bring vision into people, envision people. So in 2020, we couldn't do it in person. So we got, you know, we used COVID as an opportunity to get some amazing voices from around the world to speak into missionary renewal. And we had hundreds of people come to that, you know, a, a, a lot of clergy and quite a lot of um, lay leaders. Uh, we didn't invite everybody to that. That was for clergy and leaders in parishes. And so that kind of, I think, planted a lot of seeds. And then in 2021, when we found ourselves in lockdown again for four months um, in the second half of 2021, we did the same thing again and got even more people than we did the first year. So we, and then this year, we've been able to have those events in person. And once again, very targeted events for clergy who are open to something. Maybe they might not be sold on everything that we're doing, but that we think that they're open and we invite them and their teams or people that they think they might want to come to a team to a day where they hear some really great talks on vision and making disciples and they have an opportunity to discuss a bit. And we feel that those events have been quite successful. Um, how, how, what's your take on that, Louis? Oh, very much so. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the content's always amazing and the, the speakers, but, you know, getting them to talk to each other, um, yeah, there's a, a lot of power in that, I guess. And um, I guess a lot of people have changed, uh, exchanged phone numbers and, and they're talking to each other in their regions and talking about their experiences and their struggles. So, you know, out of these larger events, um, this type of networking happens. So, um, yeah, content's been great, but but this, this secondary type of um, fruit is very important as well. Man, that's cool. And again, just to summarize, because what I, I just, I'm hearing and seeing such a strategic, I think you guys have been very, very realistic and strategic right from the very beginning in terms of, yes, your bishop had... He, he wanted to make a difference and he, he saw the urgency and his heart bled for that. And so he didn't just have that perspective, vision, idea. He, he made the appropriate changes so that he could resource that idea and, and brought you guys to life. And you guys then began to, to, to double down on living the values yourself and forming teams and building trusts and growing in vulnerability and growing your skill sets all the while connecting with people do so very strategic. And then you have three pathways that you can bring to priests and offer them, which gives them the um, opportunity to opt in 
and to choose at what pace and what degree they want to engage in, which is very respectful. And not only that, you know, you have opportunities for one-on-one -on -one coaching with their team, but beyond that, you're also doing events that are very strategic and specific, all with the same themes in mind. Like everything you're doing is intentional. Like literally, it's so cool. Way to go. <laughs> and so when you look forward at what, or actually when you look at what you've been able to accomplish in this last two years in your region, Louis, are you happy with it? Are you discouraged with it? Like, where are you at? Like, how do you feel about the impact that you've seen in your region? Oh, it's just, um, it's been very exciting to be honest. Uh, just to set the scene, I, I'm from um, the Western region, which is um, quite multicultural and um, a, a lot of migrants have come in with their own cultures, but with their strong faith as well. So um, churches are, are, are quite full at the moment. And, um, you know, in regards to things like Alpha, we, the Western region really never had Alpha, but there's 20 Alphas going on at the moment, you know, in, in, in yeah, this year, which is which is huge. And, um, you know, we have quite a few on, on individual coaching with you, Ron, and, um, a lot who have gone on to cohorts, um, which Lorraine could probably explain a little bit more about uh, later. Mm -hmm. It's um, sure. coaching with you, Ron, but with uh, uh, quite a, a group of priests. Um, yeah, there's been quite a few of them. The leadership pipelines are being created. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been really uh, exciting to see uh, you know, people just uh, being empowered into leadership and to talk about the Holy Spirit, talk about you know, being able to go out and preach the gospel to others and and bring other people in, yeah, it's it's been um, it's it's been amazing. It, it was hard at first, but we're just seeing uh, a bit of traction now. So, hmm. you know, in Corinthians, you know, um, Paul said, you know, Paul planted the seed, Apollos watered, and God makes things grow. You know, God's definitely um, making things grow in Melbourne, which is really exciting, and we're just seeing the start of it, I guess. It's so, it's so easy to give in to discouragement and give up when things are hard. Like, I've done all kinds of things. I just want to quit. It's like, God, this is too hard. <laughs> you know, what I thought was going to, to be easy wasn't, and, and then it's hard. But, but then to get to break through difficulty, to break through discouragement, to break through uncertainty, and to continue to do the things that you guys believe to be right. And I, I can't help but think that's where a team must have been so helpful for you, Louis, like to have Lorraine and the rest of the team to talk about those struggles. It must have been so valuable. Yeah, very much so. It was amazing to go back and um, to get ideas about how to maybe approach a certain priest or how to, um, you know, from my type of leadership style is um, is coaching, but we have very strong teachers in our in our group, and it's amazing to have that diverse um, diverse skills within the group. So, you know, I can go over to a few of the others and say, "What do I do here?" You know, the parish council wants me to talk about uh, evangelization, and what should I do in the in the workshop? And it was it was really great to be able to to come back and talk to Lorraine and the others about things. Yeah. And the way you guys are divided up in terms of your region, you also have a bishop that works in your region. I know Bishop Martin. I think he's at the, the bishop school right now, isn't he, in Rome? He is. He is. Is he away yes. for that? Isn't that exciting? Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm sure that uh, you guys will continue to do great things when he returns. That's just so fun. Lorraine, what was it like for you as you're, you know, equipping your team to kind of, um, you know, to go through those seasons of challenge and difficulty and uncertainty, what was that like for you? Sometimes it, it just felt really hard, I think, and discouraging. Mm. Um, and But I think we just kept doubling back down on why we were doing it and where what our what the vision is what the archbishop's vision is and where we want to go and I and I guess in a way we never expected it to be easy and prayer has been really helpful and just spending
spending additional time together when we need to, you know, when there's a, a lot of discouragement. And I think also, you know, one-on-ones and being in touch with every team member and trying to uh, support them in the relationships with clergy that they're struggling with a little bit and always bringing things back to team. We we do decide a lot of stuff together. And, and so... While I might be the leader, I think each of, you know, it's a very uh, co-responsible team. And Mm. uh, probably we might spend too much time meeting sometimes, I think, but then that means that we all own where we're going and what we're doing and we can have some really honest conversations. So I think sometimes it's been really difficult and and. Sometimes there's there's misunderstandings inside the team and sometimes with the wider team that we're part of. But it's just staying with a vision in mind and just keeping going, you know, despite right. pestilence and all the other things that happens, you know, the, the COVID and all of that, just to keep yeah. on our direction and to try and keep up about it and hopeful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, that, that very concept of meeting with your team, meeting in a team, meeting with individuals, talking tactically about the issues they're facing. Again, all similar principles that you're inviting priests to consider as they learn to lead out of a team. And just like the pastors and priests, it's, it's hard. Like life throws curveballs. We are human beings. And so there can be misunderstandings or hurt feelings at times. That is the nature of relationships and leadership. And so, of course, that will be the case in the church or at the diocesan level, like, welcome to life. Like, I, <laughs> where there is people, there is misunderstandings, hurt feelings, uncertainty. But, you know, I think Christ gave us such amazing tools to deal with that in terms of having the courage to confront issues and, 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 and own our stuff and to apologize and ask for forgiveness and all that fun stuff. And so, as I watch you guys do what you do, you really do model uh that 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 very thing that you're inviting other people to which i think is fun so when you look forward what are your what are your hopes like you know is, is, does the bishop how how does the bishop look at what you've what you're seeing in terms of these lives starting to change 20 alphas out from zero in a one region um and that impact you're starting to have is he a, is he aware is he starting to see the hope that's rising in these churches or is it still too early before he kind of gets a sense of that and and can get excited about that. Where's where's that at? I think it's a little bit too early for him to see very much. But I was at a meeting this this week actually, and we were able to talk about some of this early take up, and and I think there was a sense that nothing much was happening because so much of what we do is. I think you often say, Ron, that things only move at the speed of trust and sometimes trust is really slow. But we found that this year when we've been able to go out and get started that there's a new openness with clergy because people aren't coming back in pre-COVID numbers and maybe people that thought we could keep going the way we've always gone uh, two years ago the case for change is almost, you can't argue with that anymore. Mm. And, and I think there's very much a sense that the Archbishop's been getting from the meetings that he's been in with clergy and the Council of Priests and all of that, that there's a sense that people are ready to do something now. And, and I, you know, I was just looking at a comms that's going to go out soon and, and the, the uh, tagline is we're ready. And there's that sense of there's been a time of tilling the soil and it's been really hard work and often we've felt like we're stuck in the weeds or we're bogged, which is an Australian thing when your wheels are spinning in the mud or the sand and you can't get moving. It's snow for us but, in Canada, but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that people are ready now to keep to move and there's a sense of momentum starting and he's starting to feel that a little bit too. And I think that's very exciting. Um, especially Beautiful. for us, because we've kind of felt a bit bogged. <laughs> <laughs> I remember working with a large diocese uh, for a, for a period of time, and 
And I remember the the diocesan staff, like they had a very successful fundraising campaign to to fund different positions within the diocesan structure and change. And and so some of their large donors were putting a lot of pressure on them to see results. And I remember working with the, the two people that were responsible for driving this whole initiative. And and they kept coming back to me and saying, um, you know, remind us again, because they get so much pressure from these people, they just fall apart. <laughs> so they call me again, and we'd have another conversation. And they'd get all buoyed up, and they'd understand again. And then a few days later, I'd get another call. It's like, oh my gosh, um, uh, I didn't really anticipate that. Now I'm sure they didn't either. But there was a lot of pressure to get results quickly. And they asked a question at one point, and I just thought it was the coolest question, because at that point I was probably coaching 25 different churches. And they said, would we be able to talk to one or two of the churches you coach? And I said, no. I said, you can talk to all of the churches I coach, even the ones I no longer coach. And I'm going to ask them if they'll talk to you, and I'm going to tell them, Tell them everything. Don't hold anything back. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Tell them your entire experience because if they're going to go forward, they have to go forward on truth and confidence. And so it was really funny because uh, they did. They reached out and every single client agreed to talk to them, every one of them, even the ones that I no longer coached. And uh, after a, a handful of calls, I get a phone call from these two guys and their confidence is through the roof. <laughs> And they said they can't believe what they're hearing from these priests and their teams in terms of impact. And so he said, and they told me this, this is the funniest line ever. They said, so now, because there's a huge diocese as well, and they were getting a lot of pushback internally and from the donors, they said, when they talked to them and they came to a disagreement, they'd say, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to disagree with us until you sit in on one of these interviews. And after you hear the interview, then you can disagree with us. And every single time a person sat in with them, they walked away and had no questions because they could see in the eyes of those priests who began to apply these principles over and over and over again that it was absolutely 100% changing their lives and giving them confidence and, and joy and peace and impact they've never had in their lives. And so it does take time but it also works and what you guys are doing. And I know, you know, one sense, you probably see all the people that you haven't impacted yet or all the, and even the ones that you have that that's probably fragile. It's, it's not like a raging fire. It's like, oh, we've got some smoke. <laughs> like, and they're, they're all in different places. But I just want to assure you, in the work that I've done in other dioceses, I have not seen anybody take a more strategic approach and a more intentional approach from all these different angles than you guys have as a diocese and a team. And so I just want to say congratulations. And I know it's hard. <laughs> I know it's hard. And you guys are doing some great work. Louis, you've... Um, one of the things I love, again, Lorraine, that you guys have been open to doing and willing to doing is, is having, not only are you guys coming alongside of churches to the best of your ability, but you're giving, when, it's, when it makes sense and when it's possible, space for your animators in their parish, if they're asked, to be a part of a leadership team. And Louis, I know that, that you're a part of a leadership team that's receiving coaching. And so not only are you coming alongside of churches to help them, you're also on the receiving end of working with a pastor and receiving coaching. What's that been like for you? Oh, um, yeah, receiving coaching from you, Ron, is, it's been amazing because it is actually quite messy at the start of this, um, I guess, transition into a more missional type of uh, pathway because, you know, in terms of structures and in, in terms of your vision, like how do we go about this? And um, being able to sit in our team and... and uh, getting coaching from you, Ron, it's, it's actually um, pulled everything together. And, and mm. we've got a long way to go. It's the tip of the iceberg. But we, we're starting to understand, like, the process and uh, what our vision is. And um, we're on the same page. This has taken over a year now to be able to do that. And we've got a lot of work to, to do as well. 
but yes, it's, it is quite messy. Like, what do we do with the parish council? What do we do? Like, we have a leadership team now. We have this other group here. Like, what does that look like in the long term? And um, how do we get there? So all of these questions uh, we've been wrestling with and we've brought to you on and we, we've sat with you and, and spoken about it. Uh, and that's been very helpful. So, um, yeah, I've got to say it's very messy at the start. And, it, and it's sometimes easier to throw in the towel and walk away, but you just got to push through it. And as I, as I said, um, it's taken about a year to get to the stage that we're, we're at. And um, we're still very early in the journey. Mm. And I wonder what that sounds like for, for, for our listeners. Like, what, a year into it? Tip of the iceberg early in the journey? Really? A year? It's like, yeah, really. And we've spent a lifetime doing church the way we do it now. Culture doesn't change overnight. And, and you know, and I, my experience with working with parish priests is they have a way of doing ministry. They have a way of being a priest. And, and that very yeah. self-identity is being shifted and evolving. And that's not easy. <laughs> Who do they look yeah. to that have dared to lead like this? Like, it's, 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 it takes a lot of faith. And so kudos to, to Father Richard and the other folks in Melbourne and around the world who are, are learning to do this differently, daring to try to do something differently. And I think what's exciting is he gets to empower great people like you and the other people on your leadership team to take a different level of ownership. And let's face it, yes. you guys have unbelievable capacity and competency. And so often in the pews, these people are there, but they're not engage because we don't know how to engage them and all of these priests uh, I'm thinking about one priest in particular I won't say his name but you know who I'm talking about <laughs> uh, and he really didn't have anybody and, and it took him a long time to start coaching and to get a team Louis I know you've been instrumental and in, in encouraging and supporting and 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 that's what I love about working with you guys is that that it's that we're all in this together and now the team he has is is so good it's unbelievable <laughs> and, and how that makes him feel as a priest is i see it all over his face it's transforming him but that took a while to get there didn't it it did yes yeah and and as you said it, it takes courage for priests to to be able to say yes to this as well um i think some priests might think that their authority is diminished diminished as well uh, in this uh, leadership team but that's not the case, not the case at all. You know, it's a, the case of, you know, four heads or five heads are better than one, you know, to be able to make decisions. But the authority does not diminish uh, for the priest. And no. so, so the priests who are the early adopters, you know, they've been very courageous and yeah, very lucky to have the amazing men to be able to do that in, in Melbourne. Yeah. yeah, that's so wonderful. Lorraine, what's it been like for you? Because I know part of your background is you used to be responsible for Alpha in a Catholic context for all of Australia. And so to see these many parishes beginning to uh, pilot and, and, and run Alpha as a tool for evangelization, how's that felt for you? Oh, it's very exciting. It's and, and the thing that I find most exciting is watching people's faith and their faces kind of light up and kind of come alive and get sent. And the power of, of Alpha to, to do that is, is just amazing. And so priests kind of sometimes, you know, get a team together and start something with not a lot of hope. But then when they see the change it makes in people and they see the renewed commitment to faith and they see people... Uh, really having a relationship with Jesus for the first time, you know, from outside the church or even people sitting in their pews, it gives them hope, and and I and I just love seeing that, and we're really excited for the stories that are going to start to emerge in time, that we'll be able to celebrate through our diocesan cons, because that it's kind of then we're um, sort of showing the change that we want to see with through testimony and all of that. So we're, we're yeah. hoping to really begin to push into that as we begin to see the changes, which are just starting. Mm. Yeah, it's so normal to, to want to take structures and shift them or, or, or programs and put them in place and, and 
but boy, that's harder to do if people haven't had a different encounter or experience. But when people encounter Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden that's like a, a lubricant. <laughs> it, it makes everything easier because people's desire and passion and, and generosity goes through the roof. As the Holy Spirit transforms their heart, he often transforms their schedule or their timetable. And they want to give more back to the church and be a part of this good news and this movement of grace. And, and but, but short of that, it's just, it's a grind sometimes. You were taking that same 10, 15% of people and we're just changing their behaviors and hoping they're going to have a big impact and they often don't. And so it's, it's, it's you know, Alpha is, is one tool. It's not the only tool, but it's a tool that can bring people to Jesus and fill them with the Spirit because that's what it's all about. And that makes everything else these priests do so much easier. So great work to you guys. And we thank actually, you for everything you do. Sorry, go ahead, Luke. No, I was going to say sorry to, to jump on, but we have a, a guy in the um, leadership team in my parish, and um, he said he's been a Catholic all his life, but he's only come to know his faith and become really passionate about his faith since he's been on the leadership team and he's 60 years old, you know, so it's really changed his life. And it's, um, yeah, it's changing a lot of people's lives within the, the, the parish as well. Yeah, so it's, um, it, it's hard to see from a higher level the impact, but when you're, you know, in with the people in the parish, you can see the changes happening. So I guess we've just got to be patient and just wait and allow the spirit That's to work, I guess. Yeah, and that's so beautiful. Like, we have a lot of faithful people. And boy, when you see a faithful person's life transform like that person's, you know it's possible. Like, it's, we, we, there's more than just faithfulness. There's transformation that's possible, and you're seeing it. So when I remember years yes. ago, uh, Louis, it, it reminds me of that, because it can be hard to see, but our bishop at the time, previous bishop, decided... Uh, you know, as a lead up to Easter, he wanted to get to all the RCIA candidates to come to a mass at the cathedral. And he was really big on, we should be able to tell our stories. Of course, not many Catholics who are comfortable doing that or willing to do that, but that was a big theme for his that year. And it was so funny because at St. Benedict Parish, in many ways, do, he blessed it, mind you, he, he allowed it to happen. But, but because we were very successful, I think in terms of changing lives and new people coming to faith and being very exuberant about it actually made some people frustrated with us um, because they'd hear about the church all the time and then they were being compared, not by us, but by good meaning people. And so resentment started to build up. Anyway, so he, he was at that mass and so he gave his homily and then he said, so anybody here want to tell me their story? thinking nobody would say yes, because what an intimidating environment. They're all just coming into the faith. None of them know each other. And the bishop's talking to you in the middle of a mass. And they've been to enough mass to know you don't get to say anything. And so then this, this lady, her name is Darlene. She puts up her hand. Uh, she swears like a sailor, uh, you know, gambles, uh, you know, you name it. Never came to church in her life, but a friend of hers who she worked with, invited her so many times she couldn't stand her asking anymore. So I'll go as long as you stop asking me. She came, changed her life, now becoming Catholic. So she's there in the front row. Is like, I'll tell you my story. She's got this really gruff, gravelly voice. And sure enough, she belts out this story of transformation and starts to cry and just saying how big a role Alpha played in her life. And, and, then, and then apparently, I wasn't there, but apparently the bishop was shocked that, that she did share and so she sat down and said, oh, that was great. Uh, anyone else? Sure enough, somebody else puts out the head. Exact same type of story, also from Alpha, also from our parish. Four people shared, all four of them from our church, all four of them had their life changed as a result of going to Alpha, experienced Jesus who were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was so beautiful because up until that point, he didn't know. He didn't know. But when he started to ask, all of a sudden the theme was so obvious I just thought, good for him for asking, eh? Good for him for asking and good yeah. for those people to be able to witness. And so, um, yeah, so keep doing what you're doing. It is making a difference. And I can't wait until Archbishop Comasoli continues to hear more and more stories from his pastors 
and, and from the leadership teams and from the parishioners, just thanking him for his courage to have a vision to do things differently, to dare to get behind financially and structurally to that passion he has in his heart that more people would come to know Jesus in Melbourne. It's commendable, and the work you're doing is awesome. So thank you to both of you. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Ron. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be And for all of you guys, oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Louis. For all of you that have been listening, we're also on YouTube now. Uh, I'd encourage you, please rate the podcast. Uh, also, leave comments, ask questions. All of those help us to engage with you, the listener, and also drive the algorithms to get these conversations to as many Catholic leaders as possible to join in this great conversation, which is leadership and bringing more people home to Jesus. God bless you all. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are.